1: Your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 46. And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing fine. How are you, Brennan? I'm good, too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm
1: just full and... Yeah, you, you've come here from Breakfast Buffet. A breakfast Buffet at the casino because I'm classy that way. And you're just swigging from a two liter of,
3: what is that? Diet ginger ale. Awesome. Way better than water. Well, I'm going to fill it with water once that's done. Have <laughs> no fear. I plan to consume at least six or seven liters of water to this afternoon. I will miss you when you go.
2: <laughs> for water intoxication. That's yeah.
1: Right. So you've recently uh, been reduced to selling yourself for yes. money, as yes. I understand it. Yes.
3: I was whoring myself out in a bar last night, actually. No surprise. We were going to get there eventually. But... Pretty much. Uh, yeah. No, there was a uh, school fundraiser at uh, a local pub. And a good friend of mine asked me if I would consider donating a book and my services, Ew. ghost walk services. Oh, oh, I, see. I uh, see. And I said yes. So thanks to me and my whoring myself out, <laughs> a park will be built, but not named after me, well, that's, which is disappointing. Yeah,
1: you, you, there's a, never mind. I'm not going to say that.
3: <laughs> so no, it went really well. I had a good time, but I was also more than happy to leave the drunk mom's club
1: that turned into the <laughs> yeah. bar. I, man, I am not much for the bar scene these days No, I'm too old Yeah Too old and cranky Oh, yeah, I think I was too old and cranky at about 25
3: Uh, 22 for
1: me Really? Yeah, I I
3: remember when I hit 21, 22, I came back from school, went to the bar with my friends and I went, why
1: am I here? Oh, yeah, see, I never went to school, so I had to take a little longer, (laughs) you
2: know
1: uh... Yeah, you were, hold your education over my head (laughs) I'm so sorry That's right It wasn't a good education If that helps (laughs) Very poor quality Oh that's That's right then Yeah okay good Oh that's a relief (laughs) So yeah it was a fun night But I was ready to go home I bet How about you What's been going on My wife and I Went to go check out The new arcade here in town (gasps) Tell me about that There's a lot of buzz Around this arcade There should be It's great It's uh, Quasar's Arcade It's called and yeah, I, we went there and dropped uh, 10 bucks each on pinball. Nice. And they've got quite a few machines. It's so now a, it's a
3: retro arcade, right? Like it is very
1: eighties yeah. kind of retro. I don't even know if they make new arcade games anymore. So yeah. I guess they would have to be retro. Like,
3: yeah. I'm refinished.
1: But, uh, yeah, the pinball machines are all lovingly restored. They nice. had a lot of the the licensed ones like Ghostbusters, uh, Indiana Jones. Very cool. They had the aliens one, which was a blast because that one, it's like two fifty to play it. I mean, you'd love it. There's balls flying everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I went ha- axe
3: throwing, so you just want to watch your mouth. <laughs> of course, you did. How, is, <laughs> how, how is axe throwing? Well, I, it was very close to Quasars. Actually, it's it's pretty close. Is it? where oh, of it is. course, yeah. it's uh, on Lower Fort. Uh, Lower Fort and uh, Wharf. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fine. We went as our sort of ghost walk end of the season party. Okay, yeah. Um, so we had a few beers and then we went ax throwing. Nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was oddly liberating. When I, I when I threw that first ax and it hit the wall and stuck in the wall, I had this overwhelming sense of, oh, I had done something very bad. Right. Because you I remember getting yelled at for doing shit like that when we were camping. So um to actually be encouraged on how to do of it. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Now that I've done it, I'm probably good.
2: Do no, what not I mean is that you want to do again?
3: No, nah, I mean you know, it's kind of like bowling. <laughs> you know, if it's there, okay, I'll do it. But I'm never gonna wake
1: up in the morning and go. Oh, you know what I really want to do today? I really want to go bowling. Yeah, it's just I loved bowling back when we had a bowling alley here. Yeah, I did like bowling. Yeah, I mean, there's Langford Lanes, but who the hell wants to go to Langford? Well, yeah, it's fancy though, is it? I've never Yeah, been they in. have really good
3: food, or they did when I was really? there. Really, table service. Oh, okay. They bring it to the lane and. When
1: I was working for that driving company, we picked up a few people there. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's as <laughs> close as I ever got. Maybe I need to check it out. I guess we should get going on the... Oh, right. The,
2: <laughs> the whole show the, the, thing. The, the reason we're here.
1: Yeah. Um, this episode is something I've been looking forward to for a while. This is our first responders episode. Yes. Stories told by paramedics, police officers, and firemen.
3: And as I actually work for a police department, this yeah.
1: is pretty cool. It, absolutely. And uh, I will say, though, we only really found one... Fireman story. I guess they're all too busy posing for calendars to... uh... And doing their hair. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And working out. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of what takes up 90% of their day. (laughs) Yeah. My wife used to work for the police back in England. Right. And that's one of her favorite saws is how stupid firemen are.
3: The bucket heads. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah,
3: we had a police officer transfer right from being a police officer to the fire department and no one talks to him. Really? (laughs) Yes. Well, because the police, no one's ever happy to see the police show up. Right. Everyone's happy to see the firefighter show up. Right. Right. So there's this real sort of uh, professional kind of... Tension. Yeah. Yes. Right. Good way to put it. But
1: uh, they're very important and they put up fire. So. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. And we also have a, a great musical guest on this episode. Oh, we, tell me. The musical guest is a Canadian artist from Calgary that is Moonrunner83 featuring Megan McDuffie on vocals. But That's cool that there's uh, vocals. We don't usually have vocals. No, that's it. Yeah, stuff. yeah. A lot of synthwave artists, uh, well, I guess a lot don't, it seems Yeah, like. yeah. But uh, no, Moonrunner is really great. I actually bought a shirt, which I quite wow, like. Wow, cool. Yeah, the song is called Streets. You can find that at his Bandcamp page, moonrunner83.bandcamp.com. It's available, of course, on all the major streaming platforms. And we are going to have a little giveaway as well, which you'll be able to find at the end of the episode. All right. When we come back from the break, stories from emergency services.
3: back. As we said before the break, we've got some stories from first responders we're going to be sharing with you.
1: And, uh, Brennan's going to lead us off with the first one. I can do that. Good. (laughs) The sketch. Back in the 1990s, I was still a cop and working in rural Nebraska. I distinctly remember patrolling town one winter when we had several abandoned homes in town. One house in particular seemed to have attracted the attention of copper thieves. So we were told to keep an eye on it. This one time I went to check on it, it was 7 p.m. Dark as hell outside because of the winter. Since the house was on a corner lot, I had a clear view of almost all the exteriors I drove around it, and everything was shut up tight. Two hours later, I drove past again, and the back door was wide open. That was new. I parked and approached the house on foot, but nothing else looked disturbed, and by that I mean there weren't even footprints in the snow. At that point, I called dispatch to explain the situation and asked them to send me a county sheriff for backup. Then I pulled my flashlight and shone it through the open door. The interior of the house was a mess. At some point it had been gutted, the plaster walls torn down, debris strewn everywhere, and a thick, undisturbed layer of dust on top of everything. Since there were no footprints in either it or the snow, I rationalized the door must have blown open in the wind, and I relaxed some. I was just about to secure the door when, from upstairs, I heard a loud thump, then the sound of children laughing. Dealing with delinquent kids is a pain-in-the-ass part of my job, so I sighed. Knowing full well the dust was going to play hell with my allergies, I went into the house and loudly identified myself. The kids seemed to pay no notice, and their noises continued. Again, I shouted, Police department, come downstairs. Nothing. I radioed dispatch to tell them there were kids in the house and started to walk through the kitchen to the living room where the stairs were located. Two more times I heard something upstairs. But since I'd had no response, I started thinking maybe I had misheard the initial sounds and it was an animal up there. But, almost as if to correct me, I again heard the sound of children laughing. The thought hadn't occurred to me before, but it did then. You never want to hear the laughter of children when you're alone in a house at night. That's true. Yes. Even if you have kids. Especially if you have kids. (laughs) Pushing through the fear I felt building in my gut, I headed upstairs and all the noise stopped. The upstairs was relatively small. There was a hallway, with one bedroom on the right and left, and one straight ahead at the end of the hall. As I got to the top of the steps, I heard a thump in the bedroom on the left. I carefully peeked around the door and found an empty room with a small pile of plaster and wood debris in the middle. No kidding, sitting on top of the pile was a page, torn out of a child's book, with a picture of a police officer on it. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. I got out of that room, quickly cleared the others upstairs and got the hell out of there. Oh my God. No, oh, man. Not cool. You know, uh, this reminds me of the time that, uh, I was in the living room. I've mentioned this before on the show. Nikki was asleep in bed. Right. And all of a sudden from the bedroom, I heard a woman's yeah. laughter. Yeah. And I walked into the bed, the dark bedroom, said, sweetie, you, you all right? Total silence. And then she laughed again in her sleep. <gasps> Talk about a living nightmare. Yikes. Yeah. I, oh God, close the door, <laughs> make the sign of the cross. She wakes up to me flicking holy water on her. <laughs> but sometimes it is something weird. Like my friend
3: Evan, who actually listens to the show, um, his wife was away. I told you this, didn't I? His wife was away and they have a little boy who's uh, just over a year and he was missing mom. I right. And was absolutely convinced mom was downstairs and kept pointing and kept pointing and then walked to the top of the stairs and said, see, there's no one down there. And then he heard her voice as well.
1: (laughs) Oh,
3: yeah. I don't think I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah. And it took him almost an hour and he had to go down there with his son to show him that no, mom's not down here. No one's down here. And half of him is sort of convincing his son there's no one there, and the other half of
1: him is like, holy
3: crap, <laughs> this is not good.
1: <laughs> Do what you want to the kid, just don't hurt him. Yeah, me. here, take him!
3: <laughs> so, oh, I understand that, hearing other voices in the house. Oh, no, hard okay. pass. This next story is called The Invisible War. My dad spent his whole career as a copper, and is a stereotypical straightforward bloke with it, who has little time for anything you might label as paranormal. That said, he describes one event from about 20 years ago that he can't explain. One late afternoon in autumn, he was patrolling with a colleague in Newbury when they were radioed and asked to check out reports of a fight on the rural outskirts of town. Apparently the sounds of an altercation had been heard coming from a field and locals were concerned, but hadn't been able to describe or give any more info. When they got to the field in question, my dad and his colleague hopped the fence and headed inwards, not immediately seeing or hearing anything. It was gloomy and a little misty at ground level, but apparently just about enough light was left in the day to see that there wasn't anyone about. They gave the field a sweep and were on their way back to the car when, as my dad describes it, suddenly, quote, all went mental, unquote. shouting, screaming. The sounds of an almighty fight completely surrounded him, even though he was stood in a field completely empty apart from his colleague. He says three things in particular stick with him. First, that he wasn't scared at the time perhaps he would say that, just sort of confused. Secondly, the look on his colleague's face that basically said, you're hearing this too, right? After a short time, the sounds just stopped, and they made their way back to the car and called in to say nothing was going on. When pushed, he admits it felt like he was in the middle of something significant, and that he thinks he felt and not just heard the fighting around him, and with hindsight, he was more frightened after the event than at the time. He would never describe this as paranormal himself, but to me, this always sounded like a replay type event people talk about. And subsequently learning about the civil war history of the specific area in question
1: backs this up for me. Now this is a sad, uh, a sad example of my lack of knowledge about England. I did not realize there had been civil wars. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah,
3: I mean, I was aware of conflicts in Ireland. Cromwell, the Roundheads. Oh, yeah, big deal. Yeah. Big
1: deal. So apparently there were two battles of Newbury. Oh, okay. One in 1643, and I can't remember when the other one was. I think it was the following year. Okay. So it's entirely possible that they were hearing some kind of uh, either repeat or thin spot or or some sort of, uh, what's the word like? like um, like the stone tape theory where yeah. it was in part of the ground. It's funny because the British have such a funny
3: um relation to their own history. I remember being in England in a rural town in Suffolk uh, and it was New Year's Eve and we went to church because my grandparents rang bells and they wanted us to hear them. So we're at the church for the New Year's Eve service and we're sitting there and one of the ladies comes up and introduces herself. Oh, we're glad you're here. and This is a huge old stone church. It's Freezing, but of course they put um, heaters underneath the seats. So just that, they don't even try any of the church. They just want to keep you warm, right? So I'm looking at the pews and they're stone-edged pews. Oh wow! And the faces, there's faces on the end of each one, and they're kind of marred. They look like they've been vandalized. And this lady comes over and starts talking. I said, "Oh, the faces are really interesting." And she said, "Yes, the man who did it was a stonemason, and as he was finishing up, he just had to finish the faces on the pews. He was doing the seven deadly sins." on each of the pews all the way down the way and then repeating them. He said, but the the village decided not to pay him what they'd promised they would pay him. So he made the seven deadly sins look exactly like the village council members. (laughs) And I said, and what happened to them? And she goes, oh, that Cromwell. (laughs) <laughs> As if it had just happened. Happened last And week. Cromwell was some local Debian who went around. No, no, not the guy who, in the 1600s, was uh, trying to wipe Catholicism out of England. So it was really funny to have her say it that way. Like she knew him, and
1: what a troublemaker. So well, I, I've been listening to. Uh, I'm still listening because it's a long book, and I don't have. I don't listen to audiobooks a bunch. Uh, God's Bankers by Gerald Posner. Oh, okay. It's about the Vatican Bank, the history of yes. the Vatican Bank. Yeah. I gotta say, man. Him wiping out Catholicism, not such a bad thing. I know. It's pretty fucked up. I'm at the point now where they're, they're helping the Nazis escape post-World War II. Yeah. Grotesque. Yeah. I mean. I know. Oh, it's, it's sick. The worst thing, I think the thing that has infuriated me the most is that the rounding up of Rome's Jews happened in view of the Vatican. Yeah. But when asked what the worst moment of the war was, Pope Pius said it was when one of their churches... Was mistakenly bombed by the allies.
3: (laughs) Just died. They made deals with everyone. Hitler, Mussolini, like whoever, whatever they needed to do to make sure they held on to
1: their wealth and power. That's exactly it. They they were terrified of communism. Yeah. So we'll just make a deal with any strong man. Yes. Dick. Who comes along and can promise uh, power. Or promise safety, I guess. Pretty awful. Oh man, I, I was. I'm. This makes me hot every time I read. I St. know. George. I hear you. Because I, I, I was raised Catholic. I know. And my grandmother, you know, used to guilt me into feeling bad about not going to church. Yeah. And I read this, and I think you go to hell. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Turns out you were right not going to church. Exactly. Yeah. Frozen. One winter night in Roanoke, Virginia, the city had seen some 18 inches of snowfall over a 24-hour period. The weather had become so intense; city parks had been closed. And it was up to the police to patrol those parks, looking for vandals, copper thieves, and so on. Copper is such a theme. In these I know, stories.
2: yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, especially
1: apparently in recent years, it's become a huge problem.
3: Well, they, uh, some thieves stole all the Telus copper lines out of the intersection at Quadra McKenzie. And these guys showed up in a white van, wearing vests. They had all the proper equipment. And so everyone assumed they were really? Telus workers. And these guys went down underground, stripped all the copper wire. That's incredible. I know. They could have been killed because the other wires run down there as well, right? right. The hydro lines, but. Eh. It was worth it. Yeah, apparently. Holy man.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, no, that's please. okay. The weather had become so intense city parks had been closed and it was up to the police to patrol those parks looking for vandals, copper thieves, and so on. In one particularly remote park, two officers were about to find something else entirely. Snow in the park was so heavy, the officers had to plow their way into where the bathroom building was located. It also served to deaden the sound, and all the officers could hear was their own heavy breathing, the soft crunch of fresh snow compacting beneath their feet, and, in the distance, the heavy clatter of passing trains. The white brick bathroom stood alone in a clearing, almost blending in with the snow around it. If you squinted, you could imagine it was an old, broken castle transplanted from a Victorian novel, solitary and quiet. A banging sound broke the silence. Both officers startled and the sound came again, this time clearly coming from the public washroom. Certain they were about to catch thieves in the act, the officers approached the building and prepared to confront them. The sound again repeated, clearly on the other side of the door. The first officer quickly entered, and his partner followed in short order. The two men saw no vandals, thieves, or, in fact, anyone living. There was, however, a dead man lying beneath a sink and its exposed pipes, a walking stick clutched in his hand. The officers called it in, and as they waited, checked around the bathroom to see if they had perhaps missed the people making the initial noise, but there was no one, and only two sets of footprints in that fresh snow. The medical examiner's final ruling was that the man had been drunk and frozen to death at least 24 hours before the officers had found him. Wow. Yeah, that is creepy. Yeah, you know, you hear a few of those stories. Yeah, I was was racking my brain earlier,
3: trying to think of one. There was a woman in Texas uh, who lived alone um, and apparently at some point had died right. three or four weeks before. And then 911 started getting calls from her house. Oh, interesting. Uh, three or four weeks after she died. We actually have a story like that coming up. Okay. Well, there you go. Because when they went in, her body was almost mummified because the air conditioning had been on and all the rest of it. But it was quite obvious she'd been dead for a very long oh, time. Man. And there was nobody else who'd been in the house. It was alarmed.
1: Oh, geez. I know. But she was trying to get some attention, I guess. I guess so. That reminds me, this isn't, um, it's a funny story in that it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. But please go on. So I had an aunt. She was, she was elderly. Yeah. She was living with her, her son. He was working in town at the time. And, uh, so he would go, the nature of his work was such that he had to go on these work trips. Right. It would be two or three days at a time. Well, on one of those trips, she died. Right. And so he didn't find her until he came home. uh, Pardon me, no, he didn't even find her. It was uh, another relative who hadn't heard from her in a while. Went to go check on her. She was passed. And there was a point in in Ronald Stokes history uh, where we had a series of not great priests. Right. Uh, Actually, that's not true. We had one really bad priest. We got a good one, as much as a priest can be good. And then the old Italians were so angry at the changes he made to the church. Right, yes. You know, cause he dared yes. to, uh, renovate the rectory a bit. <laughs> he wanted the windows to open and. What? How dare I he? know. And most heinous of all, he wanted to move the tabernacle from one side of the, yeah. of the altar to the other. Yeah. The old Italians were furious, yeah. furious. And they complained so much to, I guess, to the diocese, he was removed. Why are church politics so bitter?
3: Cause the stakes are so small. <laughs> I worked for the church for 15 years. Of course, years, yeah, you yeah, get it. Absolutely.
1: So anyways, we 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 lost him. Father Gilles was his name. And right. again, he was a decent guy. Yeah. Uh, as far as it goes. He was replaced with, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a a drunken boob. Right. Father Marcel. Right. And he was a younger guy. Uh, and there was a, a a story about Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve where he was so drunk, he was doing sort of like a you know how the, some of the the revival churches have like the clapping and the yeah. dancing. He was doing that during the hymns. Oh no! And someone's baby was crying, and he, he said, "Well, I'd like to thank you for bringing your screaming baby to." Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was too. It would have been entertaining if you didn't have a stake in any of it. Well, that's it. <laughs> and, and, so, anyways, the point, the reason I bring this up is so my yeah. Tell me the funny part about your the dead end Funny part, of my dead end. It's uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's not funny. Uh, but it really tore up her son that right, she died alone. Right, it right. really did, and I can understand that. It would, it would upset me. We all die alone. Well, true. Yeah. Thank you. That's, You're welcome. Thanks for reminding me of that. Where's my therapist? <laughs> the number? inevitability of death. <laughs> yes. But uh, it really upset him that he wasn't there for her, and so. You know, we just didn't talk about it because it's not necessary to talk about it. Right. The priest in this in his is it a eulogy when the priest gives it? Uh, yeah. Okay, so in his eulogy, the priest used the phrase "died alone" about a dozen times. (gasps) No. Every time, you could see her grown son shake in pain. Oh my god! And he would really kind of land on it, like like well, we all know she died alone. Why would you ever? <laughs> I don't know. That's like if someone died in a car accident. Well, you we know, she shattered
2: into about eighty pieces <laughs> internally.
1: Dying. Like, why? Sometimes life in life, we just crash into each other. <laughs> <laughs> And you die alone. Yeah, hemorrhaging your feelings. <laughs> that's right. All
3: over the upholstery. <laughs> Come on.
1: Yeah, so it's it's funny in that it's so macabre. The poor guy. I know. So what happened to that priest? I'm curious. Uh, he was uh, he was sent somewhere else. I bet he was. He was reassigned. As, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that that's my long-winded that's story good. about dying alone. I've got one now. Do you? Well, to read. Oh, I see. Yes. <laughs>
3: continue. (laughs) This one's called The Home Invasion. This story comes from a small town on the central California coast. In one particular neighborhood of this town, residents had been burning up the police emergency line for weeks with reports of a tall man standing outside their homes, several of which were eventually broken into. It all came to a head one night when a man who was known to police for being a drunkard placed a call saying a seven-foot-tall gray-haired man was lurking outside his home. Given the man's reputation, the local PD would usually have made the call a low priority. But given everything that had happened up to this point, they decided to dispatch a squad car, and the 911 operator stayed on the line with the man while he waited. The caller became increasingly agitated. He told the operator that the man outside, the gray man he called him, wanted to hurt him. He couldn't properly describe the would-be intruder either. All he kept saying was he was tall and slender, with a big head and large black eyes. The operator instructed the caller to lock himself in a room until the officers arrived, and just then a horrific buzzing noise came over the line. The buzzing increased in volume until the caller screamed and the line went dead. When the officers arrived, there appeared to be no one lurking outside the two-story clapboard home, but from just inside the door they could hear a man, presumably the caller, screaming. They identified themselves and tried to force the door, but it wouldn't budge. One officer described it as it being like someone was holding it closed. Then the buzzing began again and the screaming got louder. Again and again, they tried to kick the door in, which they assumed had to be somehow fortified, until it finally splintered and they were able to get inside. The moment that happened, both the buzzing and the screaming stopped. Inside the house was a horror show. Blood on the walls and the floor, with strange bloody footprints leading everywhere. Immediately, the officers drew their firearms and began to search the home. A muffled noise overhead sent them towards the staircase where they found more bloody prints and a slick crimson trail where something, most likely a body, had been dragged. Slowly ascending, they saw the trail led to a closed door. From behind it, they heard the same muffled noise from downstairs. It was a voice the officers entered the room to find the homeowner bound and gagged. He was also covered in urine and blood, and according to the officers, thin cuts as though he'd been attacked with a razor. The cuts traced around his eyes and seemed to outline certain organs, almost as though the attacker had been trying to mark out particular areas. He was also nearly mad with fear. The victim said the gray man had wanted to take him away and demanded to know why the police had taken hours to get there. The officers chalked this up to trauma and secured the rest of the home while waiting for backup and paramedics to arrive. According to investigators, there was no sign of forced entry into the home, nor any sign of a weapon, just the blood and those strange footprints. And as to the man's claim that police had taken hours to arrive, evidence indicated he had been bound for hours, but the officers claim it had only taken them 30 minutes to get to the man's home and another 10 to find him. Whatever happened that night, the man killed himself some months later, leaving behind a note that said they wouldn't leave him alone. It also warned the rescuing officers that they too may also be in danger.
1: Interesting. That sounds
3: alienish to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I kind of think that might be a story. I don't know if okay. I believe that is real. Okay. Because, I, I don't know. It, well, I, if it is real, I think it may just be someone who has hurt himself. Like, I, I mean... I. But he was on the phone. With yeah. The operator. Yeah, that's it. Like
3: it sounds to me like that um, stupid documentary about Skinwalker Ranch. Right. That sounds very Skinwalker Ranchy. It does. Yeah. Right. Where time is bent and
1: yeah, organs are involved and I don't know. The only thing, the other thing with that one is, um, uh, and I forgot to mention our sources at the beginning for this episode. In addition to our usual sources, we're drawing from Cops: True Stories of the Paranormal by Lauren Christensen. Real Police Ghost Stories by Zachary Knowles and True Police Stories by William Myron Price. None of these stories are directly taken, they're all adapted. Right. But, uh, anyways, one of these books, uh, particularly the Real Police Ghost Stories one, I think has taken some stories from Reddit.
3: Oh. Okay.
1: Because I, I did a little quick look around for last minute inclusions. Right. And I found this story on Reddit. Oh. In a slightly different form.
3: Well, there you go. So
1: I I think maybe this uh, author may have just adapted that. So again, it's kind of like three steps removed from the original event. I get it. But, um. So who
3: knows, it could be one more like in the Slender Man category. That's,
1: that's it. Yeah. It's hard to say, but I mean, the, the buzzing is interesting. Yeah. That is. Yeah. In the book, uh, they come at night by Lewis Proud. They talk about sleep paralysis. And one of the things he mentions is that people sometimes hear when they're drifting off before the things come. The sound like a drill. Oh. Like a high pitch. Yeah. Almost whiny. like a whiny buzzing. Yeah. And I know back at the old office, my, at the 1218 studio. When we were on the second floor, which was hugely problematic. Mm-hmm. I was once calling one of my coworkers who lived outside of town uh, via Skype. Right. And as soon as he picked up, there was the sound like a drill. Oh, wow. And I said, oh, you're getting some work done, eh? And he said, nope. I thought that was at your end. Oh, but he could hear it too. He could hear it. Interesting. And that was in, you know, ground zero, zero of Spook Central. Yikes. So I, I, it's not impossible. Screams. Back when I was police in Wyoming, we spent a lot of time in the car. More often than not, our calls when they came required us driving way out to the boondocks. Now, when I say boondocks in relation to Wyoming, that's exactly what I mean. It's the least populous state in the union And in those days, it seemed like there were more pine trees than there were people. It's peaceful in its way, but you have to be tough to handle the isolation, and the things that can happen out in all that space. One night back then, it was around 11pm, and we got called out to a remote farmhouse. When we arrived, the residents, a family of four, told us they had heard what they called strange screams, coming from a creek area about a thousand feet out. Sure enough, as we stood there on the porch, we heard it too. It's hard to describe, but it was kind of like a woman in severe distress, but higher-pitched each one lasting 10 to 15 seconds. It was a clear night, and my partner and I had good visibility as we walked down to the creek. There were two more screams on the way there, and they got louder as we got closer. Now, I'm a guy who spends a lot of time outside. I know the noises animals make. Hell, the red fox makes a sound that will keep you up at night, but this wasn't that. Still, the odds of someone being murdered next to a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere were pretty slim, so we held on for a wild animal. When we got to the creek bed there were no screams for about five minutes. We shouted, searched for our flashlights, but came up empty. Then we heard the scream again, this time back in the direction we'd come from. That was it. We were done. About halfway back to the house we hear the scream again, this time so loud it seems to be right next to us. We swung our flashlights everywhere, looking for eyeshine, rustling grass, anything that would suggest we were being tailed by an animal. But again, nothing. We traced our steps the rest of the way back to the house and then we heard the scream come from the creek again. This time it lasted about 30 seconds and was much, much louder than before. We told the family we couldn't find anything, that it was probably a couple red foxes mating up a storm and, well, they seemed to buy it. Then we left. I still don't know what it was. Again, as an avid outdoorsman, I know no animal makes a cry like that, especially one that can move stealthily without being spotted by flashlights. There was something else that bothered me too. During summer in Wyoming, there's always some type of ambient animal sound. Frogs croaking, crickets chirping, owls hooting, coyotes howling, so on. But on that night, there was nothing until the screams had stopped and we were leaving. At that moment, a frog started croaking. It gives me the creeps just thinking about it still. So what are your thoughts on that one? Well, you know, I remember reading this one when it came in,
3: and as I was reading it, thinking, well, you know, like mountain lions make that kind of noise and it's Wyoming and all those sorts of things. And then I got to the end of it and he's like, I know no animals make that cry. So I, I'm not there. I did not hear the scream. I yeah. can't identify it. So you kind of have to go with what he's saying, right?
1: That's it. I mean, I, I looked up what the red fox sounds like yeah. and it it's horrible. Is it's it? It's a horrifying noise. Yeah. It literally sounds like someone being murdered. Oh, wow. But it's very quick. Well, donkeys too, actually. Have you ever
3: heard donkey screaming? No,
1: donkeys scream.
3: Oh, oh, my gosh. You need to Google that at some point. Really? I got warned. I stayed in a farm on Panda Island one time. Right. And I was in a guest house in the field, and they're like, just so you know, in the morning, no one's being killed. It's the donkeys. And I'm like, oh, it can't be that bad. They're donkeys. You know, like, no. They scream. Why do they scream? What's going
1: on? Uh, like a good morning call. I. Good Lord. It's terrible. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to look this up. Yeah, Google it. Oh my God. That is a truly horrific noise. I told you. Oh, I never would have guessed that. No, no. No. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, it's still, it's, it's awful, but it doesn't sound like someone being murdered. No,
3: no, not at all. It's just awful. I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like it'd be a good name for a book when the donkey screams. When the
1: donkey screams. Mm. Very kind
3: of silence of the lambsy. But not. But not. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. More loud and more Shrek jokes would be. That's
1: right. I know what's making the donkey scream. Oh, well, the dragon was, I always wondered about that. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on.
3: A call. Three years ago, our elderly next door neighbor died suddenly in her house. She wasn't found for five days. Fast forward to last summer, my neighbor's house had stayed empty since her death, and we didn't think much of it. I was sitting in my house watching a movie, and all of a sudden, about eight police cars appeared, sirens blaring and their light bars sweeping across the neighborhood. Some of them parked in my driveway, so I went outside to see what was up. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, no. A police car show up, guns drawn. I'm staying in. Stay inside. <laughs> One of the officers went through some quick formalities. They asked if I'd seen anything strange in the last little while. I told him I hadn't and hesitantly asked what was going on. He said that 911 had received a call from my neighbor's house, and when the operator picked up the line went dead, I decided to stay at a princess that night. So someone, so someone called nine one one from the dead woman's house. Yeah, and it (laughs) was empty; had been empty. Jesus. Yeah, and not
1: uncommon. That's what you're saying. Yeah, Yeah, I just that's a crazy thing. It is. It kind of reminds me of something that happened. I've probably mentioned this on the show before. I was out walking with a friend one night and we stopped in front of St. Anne's Academy, oh, which is yeah. this huge, is it like mission style building? Yeah, it's massive. Amidst these grounds. It's said to be very haunted. Oh, it is. Yeah. And uh, across the street from the apartment buildings we've talked about before.
3: St. Joseph's. St. Joseph's, which are very haunted. Yeah. And St. Anne's is in my book, Victoria's Most Haunted. I forgot about that. Of yeah. course. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Available everywhere.
2: Wow,
1: <laughs> So one night it was about 11 o'clock and we, we had stopped walking. We were just sort of leaning on the low wall at St. Anne's talking, kind of looking at the academy through the trees. We were there maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes when all of a sudden a police SUV pulls up behind us and the officer says, Hey, are you guys the ones who called 911? And we said, Nope. No, why? And she said, well, we got a 911 call about a man and a woman who were in trouble here. Hmm. And I said, well. No, I said, we've, I mean, we haven't seen anyone, but there's a couple people walked past, but yeah. it's just us. And then another car rolled up and the officer, I hear them talking and the officer, one officer said to the other, they say it's not them. Hmm. And then they just kept rolling. Wow. But it was, I don't know, we sort of took it as a sign. Yeah, time know, to go. Time to go. I, yeah, I hear it. But it I was just, and now, cause I didn't, wasn't really into spooky stuff back then. Right. So I didn't know anything about St. Anne's or especially St. Joseph's. Uh, yeah. So I do wonder if there was some kind of element of either warning or just, uh, something I, like that. There. I love that St. Joseph's, the former hospital, um, is now apartments. Oh yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to go in one of those and check them out.
1: I've been in one. Oh, okay. They're very old school. Yeah. Very, uh. The one I was in, it was right at the top. Yeah. And it had that sort
3: of sloping roof. Well, that apparently is the most haunted part. Oh, really? That's where they used to store the old hospital equipment. Oh. And everyone hated going up there because the building didn't have an elevator. Right. Um, and so if you needed a wheelchair or a gurney, you had to go up and then two people and haul it down the stairs. Oh. But every time anybody went up there, as soon as they opened the door and walked into that area, one of the pieces of equipment would roll out to meet oh. them. So it wasn't a super popular place for them to go and hang out.
1: Well, I, I had to, I know about the elevator thing because I had to take a mattress out of there for something. Oh no. Me and someone else had to take a, a this enormous mattress down four flights of stairs. I was going
3: to say, it's not like it's two stories. No, no, no. It it's was a substantial building. Right so the fact the they haven't put an elevator in it is a little baffling to me. Well, can you imagine the expense? Oh, I know. But if you're going to rent it out for apartments, I guess they're cheaper. Isn't? Probably not, not in this city. Well, the higher you go, maybe the cheaper <laughs> yes, gets. right. <laughs> This next story is called The Lights. This story takes place on a partially built real estate development in the American Southwest, 1992. One summer night, around 1 a.m., police officer Jim Tate was passing by this neighborhood, a new build in which only eight houses had thus far been completed as model homes. The developers had been concerned about break-ins and had asked local PD to check in on it during the night shift. Work crews had gone home much earlier in the day, so Officer Tate was concerned when he saw that lights were on in all eight model homes. Tate asked dispatch to get in touch with the site security guard, and the two men met up near the main gate to walk the property and turn everything off. It wasn't until they made it to the fourth home in the estate that things got weird. On the main floor of that home, the two heard a click, followed by all the lights going off at once. They first assumed this was part of a grid-wide power outage, until they looked next door and saw the lights of that house still ablaze. Just then, another click, and the power came back on. Tate and the security guard were joking about the poor build quality of the houses causing the power outage when they noticed that the lights next door had now gone off, but the television had turned on. Now a little concerned, the men moved on to the next house. Somehow the lights turned back on as they arrived, but the television had been put on standby mode, Something that would have been only possible if someone had done it manually. This was the 90s. No one had left the home as they approached, and a search turned up nothing unusual, so the pair were at a loss. Tate and the guard were in the final home, having turned on the last of the downstairs lights when they heard a series of clicks from upstairs. It sounded like someone flicking light switches. The men turned to look at each other. They had already been upstairs. Nevertheless, they went back up and checked every room. Finding nothing, the guard went around the floor turning off all the lights, until all that remained was a single dimmer switch. As he approached it, the lights started to dim of their own accord, then brightened again. Suddenly, the lights snapped off, and the man's last pretense of cool was broken, and they ran downstairs for the door. It was at this point that Officer Tate was tackled to the ground by what the guard described as a formless black mass— Tate was not a small man and it would have taken something of considerable size and weight to take him down. It all happened so quickly. Neither of them truly had time
1: to take it all in. Whoa, wow. Yeah. And there was a little bit that I, I couldn't find room for, but that security guard had also seen what looked like a shape-shifting animal oh, on wow. that site. Something wow. that he saw that looked like a skunk and was then a dog and was then a different kind of dog.
3: Yeah. So it sounds like it was in the desert, American Southwest. Yeah. So I wonder what was going on there. That's
1: it again. You know, you mentioned skinwalking. Yeah. It yeah. Sounds like that sort of thing. Yikes. It also reminds me of a story that was on Shannon's show once. I can't remember the episode number, but there was a police officer who responded to a call and was attacked by a shadow creature. Really? Yeah. Oof. So it's, it's not, uh, not unheard of, which mm, is uh, not cool. No, man. I tell you, it's bad enough. You got to face down dudes with guns. Never mind. Fucking shadows. (laughs) Shameless black masses. Yeah, that's right. The Skeptical Fireman. The firehouse where I work has had a few different strange things happen over the years. The most common thing, which many of us have seen, is a misty figure moving through the rec room and out towards the apparatus room. It'll happen to guys on their own, or groups of guys, it doesn't seem to discriminate. The other things we've experienced are more run-of-the-mill. Doors will swing, chairs upstairs will move... When no one else is around, you'll hear people walking across the floor or up and down the stairs. Even with all this, we're a pretty skeptical bunch, so a lot of the time we'll try and write this stuff off. Or at least we did, until a friend of a friend stopped by the firehouse with her kids for a tour. This lady reads tarot, tells fortunes, all that jazz. She'd never been in the firehouse before, didn't seem to know anything about the place and its history. Yet after the tour, she says to me, Do you ever have any guest appearances here? I thought she meant other people wanting tours and started talking about that when she cut in and straight up said, I meant ghosts. <laughs> Firemen. <laughs> yeah. I played dumb a bit. Really? Played dumb. <laughs> but then she went on to describe our Misty figure from head to toe, saying she had seen him too. We're still pretty skeptical, but that's hard to ignore. That is hard to ignore. I hmm. love how you can say skeptical then. Yeah, yeah, Well, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, maybe. We're still pretty skeptical, the Misty figure. That's right. We've seen a ghost walk in front of us, sends us letters and <laughs> periodically just manifest inside our television and Turns says, I am real. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That's ridiculous. <laughs> the shadow man. The American South can be both desolate and beautiful in equal measure. It's moss wreathed cypress trees and fields of switchgrass are as much a part of that land and its history as the cracked earth, which anchors its oil derricks. It is an old powerful place webbed with swamps and run through with the invisible magic currents which obsess all of us in one way or another. One such current brought trooper Tom Aronson to a remote rural farmhouse one sweaty summer night. The retiree who owned the land had called into the station to report what he described as a large black man trespassing out back on his land near the shed. The man told Aronson that at first he just ignored the trespasser as he was probably just moving through and even if he was a thief there wasn't much back there to take. The problem came, he said. When the large man stayed on his property, seeming to watch the big house from the shadows. Aronson thought the old man was, in all likelihood, making something of nothing, but he had to check it out anyways. He pulled his flashlight and made his way toward the backyard. The yard was dry and overgrown, so Aronson had to push through scaly brush that scraped and drew blood and splintered his light into phantasmagorical fragments. As he approached the back of the house, Aronson began to choke on a noxious odor he described as almost chemical in nature, like burning metal. Because of the home's proximity to an oil field, this wasn't a surprise, but still he wondered how the old man put up with it. Once he'd made it all the way around back, Aronson swept his flashlight beam across the yard and saw the old man hadn't been imagining things. There, next to the shed, was a huge black shadow in the shape of a man. The figure had wide shoulders its lower half obscured by scrub brush, and seemed to be completely without features. Approaching closer, Aronson finally picked out a single detail on the figure's skin, raised bumps which seemed to cover its entire body. The total lack of movement by the figure had him wondering if he was dealing with a sight case, a disturbed man who had wandered away from home, or perhaps an institution. Aronson put a hand on his firearm and slowly began to approach the shadow, identifying himself as a police officer. That got its attention. The shadow man turned around, and Trooper Aronson finally understood he wasn't dealing with a sight case. Or a man at all. That shadow thing had no features whatsoever, save for two bright red eyes. Aronson unsnapped his firearm. At that, the creature turned and walked away, its shoulder passing right through a cinder block wall as it went. There was a sizzling sound, like arcing electricity, and the chemical smell intensified. When it had gone entirely, a shaken Aronson went back around to the front of the house and spoke to the old man, who was in a state of heightened anxiety. Apparently Aronson had suffered a bout of lost time, as he thought the entire experience had taken, at most, a handful of minutes, but the old man claimed he had been gone at least half an hour. Regardless, Aronson told the old man a version of the story that didn't involve anything remotely paranormal, and continued with his shift. In the days following this encounter, he fell seriously ill, his hands and face peeled, as though suffering from terrible sunburn. Though he eventually healed and went back to work, the memories of that night and the scars still mark Aronson to this day. That's not wow. good. No, but again, kind of Skinwalker Ranchy. Yeah, and actually the, the, um, the burns thing. That's why I'm thinking of that. Yeah, because yeah. there's that sense of like UV exposure, yeah. which John Keel used to talk about. And then so. all those poor people got cancer from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty... I tell you, man. I mean, you hear wow. stuff like this, and I think, why does anyone want to have these encounters? <laughs> you know, because I, I know. Don't. That, no, 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 no. Never you know, Just imagine having to deal with illness. Like some people, well, as we saw in the Skinwalker Daco, yeah. some people have died yeah. as a result of their injuries. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is just hard pass, man. Well,
3: and it's got all those hallmarks: that bending of time. Of course, um, that really scares me. Yes. The time dilation thing really frightens yes. me. Yes. And then the
1: whole exposure and hands and face peeling. I think for me, the, the, the time thing scares me because of those legends you've like ancient legends about yeah. guys who go somewhere and then come back and they think it's just been a short time. Yeah. But when they come back, everyone they know is dead. Yes. Every, you know, so much time has passed. Yeah. That everyone they know is dead and gone. Mm-hmm. That horrifies me. I know. You know, I can't imagine. No, no. Not
3: to mention, you know, where's all your mail been going? Right? <laughs> I, wh- there
1: could be flyers. I know. All these deals you're missing. Uh, all those coupons expired? Come on. Oh, too painful A moment. To think of. For the fallen coupons. For the fallen coupons. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up the research stories that the okay. found. Now we have two sets of listener stories that I'm very excited Love about. It. The first is from Erin, who is a, uh, well, she'll explain it herself.
3: I work in Alberta as a primary care paramedic. I work in Calgary and also the northwest half of the province from Slave Lake all the way west to the BC border. I also worked for a time on Siksika, a reserve southeast of Calgary by about an hour and a half and close to Gleichen. It is a land area of 696 square kilometers, making it the second largest reservation in Canada. My first day on the job, I was bright eyed and bushy tailed. I was eager to get started and to learn the ropes. Me and a couple of the other full-timers met in the garage of the fire hall where we all stayed. I'm not sure how we got on the topic, but I'll call him Chris. Chris looked at me and said, oh, don't freak out if the water turns on in the bathrooms. It tends to turn off on its own. I, of course, gave Chris a perplexed look at this. For some reason, I decided to ask what he meant. Chris then informed me that the showers and taps in the fire hall had a tendency to turn on and off when no one was using them. He didn't seem freaked out. He just seemed to accept the oddity long ago. He then went on to inform me that the fire hall was built on the path of the First Nations people where they traversed before winter to get to safer and warmer grounds before the snow set in. He informed me that people had died on this trip often, or from what he'd been told. I couldn't find any information to prove this, however. Standing at the doors of the garage, Chris then pointed to the old brick building across the field. If I wasn't freaked out already, I was by now. My thoughts were no longer on the calls I would be running. Chris explained to me that that brick building was the Old Sun Community College, which used to be a residential school. Chris informed me that sometimes at night when the college was cleared out, you could see children waving from the windows. Oh, not okay. Yikes. Time passed and I put those thoughts out of my mind. One night we'd gotten a late call. We'd come back from a medical call around 3 a.m. I was the only female at the station this tour. We worked 48 hours. Our sleeping quarters, living area, was in the basement of the fire hall. I walked down the hallway to use the bathroom. I stopped outside the girls' bathroom. That's when I heard the shower running. I hadn't left it on before leaving for the call. I stood there staring at the door. Chris came down after finishing his paperwork and had to walk past me to get to the kitchen. He shot me a look, and I informed him that the shower was running and I wanted to know if anyone else was here. He simply gave me a look. Don't worry, it should turn off soon. I know that Chris couldn't have gotten past me, run down, and turn the shower on before I got there. Suffice to say, I didn't brush my teeth before bed that night, because that was a giant nope. (laughs) After this, I would announce my entry into the bathroom. Hey, I'm just here to brush my teeth, pee, shower. I felt stupid, but for some reason it just made me feel better. I'm glad the water never turned on when I was in there. As for the brick building across the field when we were outside, I often felt like I was being watched. Sometimes at night I could see the lights in the windows of the building. They'd be on one second and off the next.
1: Wow. That is creepy. That is creepy. And Aaron, I, I understand because I, when I was house sitting for Ian earlier this year, I would walk in cause his apartment is very haunted. <laughs> I would walk in and say the same thing. I'm just here to feed the fish, uh, f- water the plants yeah. and then I'm out of here. Yeah. Don't, don't worry. I'm not going to stick around. No. Sometimes it just feels like you need to do that. Interesting. Recently, I was working in McLennan in Northern Alberta.
3: At this particular station, we don't sleep in the fire hall. That must be a relief. Yeah. (laughs) Across the parking lot, still attached to the working hospital, is an abandoned hospital wing. Oops, spoke too soon. I was going to say,
1: this is not an improvement. Spoke too
3: soon. The wing used to be used for long-term care patients. They decided it would cost too much to renovate it, so four of the rooms have been converted for use by EMS. Creepy, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I slept the first night fine. Second night. I had a hard time staying asleep waking up at random and tossing and turning the third night something woke me up from my dead sleep in the middle of the night i was awake and my heart was pounding i kept my eyes closed trying to force myself to calm down to go back to sleep that's when i heard it it was like a deep growling voice but it was as if static was overlaid it the voice was quick and i couldn't make out words but it sounded angry i instantly shut up the noise told myself and whatever it was, I didn't hear it. And then I stayed one more night in that room and nothing happened. The next day I picked up a gentleman on a call and he informed me that he used to work in the hospital as well as the long-term care wing, which I was currently staying in. In In an uneasy voice, I asked him if it was haunted. The patient laughed at my unease
1: but didn't give me a definitive answer. What a dick. <laughs> oh, no. Dude, dude, I would just... Here. Here's some more. you go to sleep forever now. Have some Smart ass.
3: <laughs> Sleep. Sleep. You know what, though? I mean, abandoned wing of a hospital. It's oh, haunted. Yeah, 100%. Just
1: give it. I think the abandoned wing of any building. Because that much empty space, Yeah, you, you know, you're know, you going to have things just cluster there because there's nothing else around. No, I they agree. They can be left alone. I agree. Yeah. And in a hospital, Jesus. Oh, yeah, they don't even need to be abandoned to be haunted. That's exactly it. I feel like, um, what's interesting is that deep growling voice was statically over it. That's very similar to those stories we were sent by that fellow, uh, who asked us not to name him. Yeah, that's right. He had the same thing. He was just drifting off to sleep and he had an angry voice in his ear. Yeah. After he'd been trying to sort of probe what was happening in his apartment. That's right. That's really interesting. Yeah. So it. Hmm. Fascinating. That's more thank than one you person, Aaron, for yes, those. That's thank you very much. Amazing. And our final story today comes from Hannah and Hannah is the fiance of our researcher, Luke. Yeah. Hannah works as a, I guess it's 999. Yeah. Dispatcher. Yeah yeah. 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 Which if you don't know is the equivalent of a 911 dispatcher. But easier to dial. Yes. <laughs> the first story is from a call I took about a year ago. It was from a young sounding male. And when I asked what happened, he said he needed help. Okay, so why do you need help I asked. The response I got was not the one I was expecting. My dead daughter won't leave me alone. Oh no. Yeah. So I treated this the best I could, triaged him and stayed on the line with this guy until an ambulance crew got to him. Throughout my time on the phone to him, he told me his daughter had died as a baby and was now 5 years old and would follow him around, poke her head around doors and play hide and seek with him. The strangest part was he sounded completely calm throughout and I believed he that he 100% believed what he was telling me he was seeing though we can argue over the cause of him seeing it. When the crew eventually arrived, I heard the guy say, can't you see her? She's right there. She's waving at you. And I've never hung up quicker at the end of a call. That's
2: sad. I mean, because, yeah. I
1: mean, it sounds like. A little mental. Yeah. Health, mental illness.
3: But that is sad. And for him to have been tortured or self tortured for the last five years. Oh. Oh, I can't just, even imagine.
1: It's like a prison. Because yeah. you're the only one who knows. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. And there's one more. So, the second call I didn't take, but I have listened to the tapes and talked to those involved and can 100% vouch for it. We got a call a few weeks ago at about 1.30am from a male, literally gasping for breath like he's about to stop breathing. He can't give an address more than a general area, not appearing to know where he is. We get police and ambulance looking in the area and ask him to find the address somehow. The call taker is asking him to find someone, look for a street name and bang on doors, which we can hear him doing. After about 16 minutes, you can no longer hear him gasp, and for a second or two, the line is silent. Then a different voice to the original male comes on and says, he's dead, before the line hangs up. Mm. Like this voice has a different tone, is creepier and raspy, a contrast to the young male caller's tones. We call back the mobile, expecting a prank or someone now with him, but when it's answered, it's just the male patient that answers. He's alone and still gasping. After another 15 minutes, he manages to tell us a pub name, and the police find him first. We asked police if he had been assaulted, as that was briefly mentioned at the start of the call, and they say they don't know, but he's definitely struggling to breathe. Ambulance crews arrive on scene, and the patient is acting very strange, looking behind him and in mirrors constantly. The crew nip into the back of the ambulance to grab something, and when they come out, he has completely disappeared without a trace. They cannot explain where he went and how he was completely gone so quickly. Wow. That gives me chills. Well, I'm looking in mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that at all. No, That just, oh man, that one really, of of all of them, that one gets me the most. Well, the fact that he
3: just disappeared. Yeah. It reminds me of that story, is it here? I thought it was in Vancouver, where that man, they have video of him entering a bar. He's a doctor. No, it's like in Ohio or something. He's a doctor, a medical student. Right. And he goes to the bar with his friends, and they have video of him going in. And they have cameras on all the doors. Oh, and there's no video of him leaving, right? Oh, yeah, that's gone.
1: There's uh, in case studies in drowning forensics. There's two or three cases like that. Really, nothing quite as extreme as that one. But there is another case where a young man basically walks out of the field of view of one camera, never walks back into the field of view of the other, and and they're right next to each other. He's just gone. And uh, that one, I don't believe the one in the nightclub was ever found. No, no. But I believe this young man I'm talking about, he ended up in the river. Really? Yeah, drowned. Just and, gone. And so the official explanation was, oh, he just got drunk and drowned. Wow. But no explanation for why. They say he that a lot. Yeah, because it's easy.
3: Oh, he got drunk and he disappeared.
1: Yeah. yeah. Great story, Hannah. Thank yeah, you so thank much, you. both you and Aaron. I, yeah. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And if you are a first responder, if you have, if you're a police officer, fireman, paramedic. We would love to hear your stories. Absolutely. Send us an email at uh, ghostoryguys at gmail.com or via the Facebook page and uh, let us know. We'd love to do another episode of these with more stories that we've been sent. Mm -hmm. So we uh, definitely would like to hear Military too. Absolutely. Yeah. We'd love to hear some stuff from the military. I know we have one listener. We just have a new patron who's in the military. perfect. So, yes. We had a student live with us from Korea, South Korea. Right.
3: And in Korea, they are uh, mandated to go and serve on the border between North and South Korea. Oh, interesting. You have to do a year of service. And he was telling me that was his only ever ghost experience was he was out in the middle of nowhere on the border, um, patrolling the neutral zone kind of thing. And he saw a soldier approach from the North, right. Cross through the demilitarized zone and walk towards him. And he was like, what do I do? Like this protocol, you got to call it in, you got to do all this. So he thought he would talk to the guy before he called it in. Right. And just uh, the guy was about 10 feet away from him. And uh, he put his hand up like a high kind of gesture. And the figure put his hand up and waved high and then just disappeared alone at night in the middle of the night. Oh. And it's not uncommon because hundreds of people have been killed. Of course. Trying to escape. And so he said it was probably a soldier who tried to defect and. Unbelievable. Yeah. That is. Yeah. Yeah. He asked for another assignment. After no kidding. He goes, I want to be with somebody else. Send me somewhere <laughs> else.
1: Anywhere else is better than this. So I'm sure the military has plenty of their own weird stories. Oh, I'm sure. All right. So that's going to do it for first responder stories. When we come back from the break, some patron shout outs and our sticker giveaway. Welcome back. As always, we'd like to thank our researchers, Luke Greensmith and Anthony Germain, for their work mm-hmm. on this episode. Yep. And, uh, we'd also like to thank our new patrons. Yay. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our new ones. Victoria Reagan. Emily Claussen. Elisa Merlino. Doug McDonald. Christopher Kuhns. Paula Ryan. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Torstenson. Okay, well, it came up quick, and I was panicked. <laughs> Paula, tort- see, I can't do it. That's okay. Sorry, Paula.
1: <laughs> Deidra Atwood. And that's good. That's great. Yeah, Thank you yay. So much, everyone. You you help us keep the lights on. You help yeah. us uh, pay for the studio, pay for all our gear, and mm. but you make our lives so much better. Oh, absolutely. Cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. Yeah. Before we move on, I thought I'd say we, uh, we had a disagreement on episode 45 about whether a certain patron's name was pronounced one way or another. Uh, just Jennifer Milne. There you go. I, I, I was wrong.
3: Wow. And Jennifer, uh... Everyone, please just stop. Cruelly wrote in. Rewind this a little bit. No, don't do that. Play that that again. I was wrong.
1: (laughs) It's the only time you're ever going to hear it, so enjoy (laughs) it.
3: (laughs) It's only because I knew that name. I was telling Brennan that I knew someone with that last name in Alberta growing up, and he was a horrible person. So (laughs) I'm sorry. I wish I had a better story for you, but I did indeed know that last
1: name. Well, at least least he was worth something. Sure. Yeah,
3: he... Benefited me
1: winning an argument with you. There we go. <laughs> it's no small thing. <laughs> Speaking of Patreon, uh, we've decided, after a few people have asked, to open up a $20 level. We have. Part of the reason we've done this is uh, well, one, people have asked. Yeah. Two, we got these really great Ghost Force postcard magnets. We did. That
3: are super cool. I love the whole Ghost Force thing. It's always oh, just so love fun. it.
1: Designed by Catherine Holmes, yeah. uh, who's from here in Victoria. Yeah. They're great. They're five and a quarter inches by, or five and a half inches by four and a quarter inches. Yeah. They're inch. not tiny. No, they're not tiny. They're substantial magnets. Great fridge magnets. Yeah. And so we've decided to open the $20 tier and the reward for that will be the additional rewards because yeah. you will get the. All the other. All of the other rewards, yeah. which you can find at patreon.com slash ghost story guys. You will also get the postcard size ghost horse magnet. You will get three postcards of various night shots. And I'm go- there will be several available, so everyone will get slightly different variations. Yeah. And, and this is a big one, <laughs> because it took some, it took some convincing. <laughs> you will get a digital download of Ian's 1995 best-selling <laughs> Christian Country album, Woo! Aware of Wonder. Wow. Recorded by a then 22-year-old idealistic young Ian Gibbs.
3: Very idealistic. In
1: the heart of Alberta?
3: No, New Brunswick.
1: In the heart of New Brunswick.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will. And if you are trying to keep from your family that you're into ghostly things, this is a great. Piece of cover
1: Absolutely Throw on <laughs> Throw on I know the lord And they'll be too busy dancing To they will be to so, your iTunes history They'll be so happy So yes yeah. So go to Patreon.com Slash guys If you'd like to support the show We have levels at 1, five, ten, 10 And now 20 Now 20 There's an exclusive sticker Yeah uh, At the $5 level At the $10 level You get ringtones of both Our theme music and the Hexagram song, The Future Belongs to Them Now, which is not available anywhere else. Nice. It's not on streaming. It's not on their band camp, That's awesome. Only available uh, from us. Thank you, uh, Hexagram, for that. And now at 20, you get your Ghost Force Magnet. You get three postcards of My Night Shots. And you get Ian's Aware of Wonder. A full album. A full album. Of humiliation. 42 <laughs> minutes of Christian Country Genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's how the Patreon ended. And then, yeah, then pretty <laughs> everyone right. just evacuated That's right. It's weird. We're not getting any $20 people at all. <laughs> I don't know what's we're wrong. We're actively losing <laughs> It's the weirdest thing. That's, again, patreon.com slash ghost story, guys, for more information. So now we're going to take a moment for some listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. First, you, you actually had some in-person feedback.
3: Yes. My good friend Robin told me that on the last bonus episode that my language is a bit too salty.
1: Yes. And Robin, you are right. I, while, uh, while editing it, I kind of went, Ooh, this is a bit much. Yeah.
3: You know, the, the sad part was I didn't really hear it. (laughs) Uh,
1: I mentioned this to someone else and they didn't either. No. So
3: swearing like a trucker apparently is just coming naturally, which is not good. No, I guess not. And especially in light of my gospel album, I
1: have a a reputation to uphold. So do you think would be shattered by hanging out with me? Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, so so,
3: Robin. Thank you for that well deserved slap on the wrist. Yes, yes, and then yes. hopefully we did better this episode.
1: Yes, I, I will promise not to drop too many f bombs. Bless your heart, <laughs> Jiminy. See, <yeah. laughs> oh, fiddlesticks! That's right. That's what we're gonna replace it with. <laughs> My mother, she she swears a lot. One time she she dropped something and she went for five fucking cents. <laughs> nope, <laughs> nope. That's Still swear, mom. Still swear. (laughs) For five cents is what you're supposed to say. I don't know that I've ever heard my mother use the F word.
3: Really? Really. She's very British and I have never heard her use the F word. Oh,
1: no. Mine drinks, smokes, and swears.
3: Oh, not mine. No, no.
1: Nice Baptist lady wouldn't do that kind of thing. We come from different backgrounds. We do, but that's why this works. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, we had an email from Melanie. She was just commenting on some of our patron content. Uh, that's another bonus thing. Actually. We do what we call, or we're going to start calling water cooler, the episodes, water cooler yeah. where Ian and I talk about the movies and TV. We've been watching books. We've been reading food, we've been eating food. We've been eating. <laughs> so you can, uh, yeah, again, that's, that's all part of it. Thank you for writing in Mel. We had an email from Cynthia. She was letting us know that she hadn't been able to make it out to Ian's Halloween ghost walk as she had intended to.
3: Well, a lot of other people did. So it's yeah, okay. It was,
1: uh, thank you, Cynthia. Uh, we also had an email from Jackie. She's rocking a uh, Ghost Story Guys, I guess that's a, is that a baseball shirt? The baseball shirt, yeah. Nice. And the uh, her patron sticker. It's on her Yeti cooler. That's pretty sweet, of, Jackie. Yeah. Thank you so much. And if you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, go to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. You'll find links to our Redbubble and Threadless stores. Travis has been sending us recipes, which is amazing. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We love it. Uh, we will definitely try and make some of these uh, now that it's cooler outside, I'm a little more inclined to fire Took. up the oven. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got back home. We've got a couple pork roasts nice. or sorry, pork tenderloins nice. going right now. We're gonna make pulled pork. Perfect. So good. I, Perfect. Bought a, I bought a crock pot used for 15 bucks. This is this is like what I do. I buy. Stuff. You were the inspiration for this, actually, because <laughs> I bought a brand new one for a hundred dollars yeah. and it didn't work. Well, it literally stopped working 40 minutes into the first time we used it. Not okay. It. So I brought it back, got a full refund. And then I th- remembered, Jesus, Ian gets all these great things on used Victoria yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah. garage, a garage sale. Sale, yeah, And boom, picked it up used. Nice. Works great. I got like a
3: eighty dollar waffle maker on there for ten bucks. That's amazing. And I think it's been used twice. Yeah. Like you just can't go wrong.
1: No man. We had an email from Michaela, who's one of the students who saw my one of my talks at the high school in Revelstoke. Oh, she's sending a therapist bill? Or... <laughs> yeah, what well, you'd expect. It hasn't happened yet. Nice. Uh, but she was asking for a um, list of recommended books she wanted to start researching the paranormal. Very cool. And it sort of got me thinking. Maybe we should have a reading list. Yeah. And I know someone. Endorsed had, books. Yeah, books we recommend. So yeah. I, I know someone had offered to help us out with that, and I think I'm going to reach out to them okay. and see if they will give Do us a Do remember who it was? Yes. Okay. I won't say it on the air just in case they're not interested. But, uh, <laughs> we're humiliating them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I will, I'm going to get into touch. I love that idea. The last bit of listener mail we're going to uh, read today comes from Catherine. And, uh, Catherine says, she loves our show. Thank you so much. Yay. Uh, she says, I can't listen to it at work anymore because I literally laugh out loud and not in a dainty girlish giggle. <laughs> she had a number of other very complimentary things to say, which makes me uncomfortable to read. So I'm just going to say thank you. Uh, but she asked us why we dislike Zach Baggins,
3: And she wants an honest answer.
1: Honestly, we have really consciously stepped back from knocking him on the show. Yeah. And it's because I don't want us to define ourselves in opposition. To no, or someone else. And
3: it never, it never works out well when you make yourself bigger by tearing someone else down. Like no, that's, that's just that's not it. a good rule in life anyway.
1: I, I will say why I, I feel the way I do Yeah, is because I feel like he has done a real disservice to the paranormal by turning it into entertainment. Now yeah. I know that's what yeah. we do here. You know, that we, we, I, I, well, I hope it's entertaining. We, we all do that to yeah. a degree. That's why we're in this industry at all. But I feel like he has sensationalized the paranormal And turned it into a show. And I think in doing so, he has bent it out of its natural shape and it has become something it was never meant to be. It it makes people afraid. I I
3: don't like the way he talks to the ghosts. That too. I find that really offensive. I mean, they are people too. I mean, in a way, and you going in there and screaming at them and challenging them and daring them to do things like just stop.
1: Yeah. The other thing is that I believe that the research on his show is lazy. Right. Now I never listened to his show or wa- never watched the show much, but when I we did. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you watched <laughs> a lot of them. But when we did episode, I think it's 14, uh, 13 or 14, I think it's 13 in the Haunted Island of Dr. Killjoy. Yes. And we did the Island of Povelia. Yes. And I watched the Ghost Adventures episode on that and they parroted the story about Povelia that it's a gateway to hell, that half the island is made up of the ashes of the burned dead. Yeah. And then they went about having their paranormal experiences there. Well, we did... I don't know, an hour's worth of research yeah. and discovered that none of those things are true. If you search Pavelia, that is the information you will find, but it's because it comes from a single source which has been repeated. Right. But in actuality, Pavelia was yeah, it was never a Lazaretto.
3: No. It there was, were other islands that were.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And basically what's happened is all the islands in the Venetian Lagoon have had all their legends transposed onto Pavelia. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't care.
3: Well, but the internet does that. It's a bit of an echo chamber, right? Oh, sure. You say one thing and everyone else repeats it and now suddenly it's fact.
1: Right. But I mean, again, we were able to do the research to find that out. You've got a television show. Yeah. Now, again, I understand that's maybe not entertaining. No. But don't go somewhere else. Right. And and this is part of my problem is I feel he, that show, his show, not just him personally, but that show perpetuates bad stories. Well, it's entertaining first. Exactly. And that's. And I understand making an entertainment product, but yeah. the problem is people watch that. Yeah. And their takeaway is this is what happened. This is real. Because yeah. it is presented in a, as reality television. And that really bothers me. Yeah. Because again, there's enough weird stuff in this world that we don't need to make shit up.
3: No, no. I agree. Very much so.
1: And it just yeah. So that that's that's why. Yeah. That is why. I am not a uh not a huge fan. That said, his haunted museum in Las Vegas is cool as hell. Nice. So if you're in Vegas, make sure to check that out. Um, again, I don't like what the man has done. I disagree with his core philosophies, but that museum is a great museum. Cool. So that is that. Thank you for asking Catherine. And I, I think that's going to do it for listener mail. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. If you want to send us something again, we're at ghost story at gmail.com. We write back to everyone. Yeah. And, uh. We love hearing from you. We it's do. It's just fantastic knowing that you guys are out there and you in, are enjoying what we do. I'd like to thank our musical guest on this episode, Moonrunner83 and Megan McDuffie. The track is Streets. You can find that at moonrunner83.bandcamp.com. I believe they are working on a new album, and I'm excited to hear it because I'm a big fan of the album Streets, which that comes from. Cool. Sure. So finally, the last thing before we leave, we're going to be giving away some stickers. The stickers are two designs from Brett Manning, who is an artist, I believe who listens to the show. And I'm, I'm quite a big fan of her work. Uh, the stickers, one is Mariah Krampus, which is <laughs> Mariah Carrier's as Krampus, brilliant, And the other is Black Shuck. What we're going to do is if you share this episode on your social media, just tag us. That is your entry into the draw. We're going to be giving away 10 sets of two stickers. Okay. So you get one Mariah Krampus, one Black Shuck, Nice. And we'll be picking 10 winners. We'll announce those on our next show. That's in two weeks time. If you want two of these fantastic stickers designed by artist Brett Manning. Mm, They're pretty cool. Just share that episode. That's episode number 46 and we will enter you in the draw and we'll be in touch. Nice. If you want to find more of her work, go to brettisagirl.com. That's Brett with two T's and there are links to her Etsy shop and her photography and all those things. I love her website. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's going to do it. Uh, Do we have anything coming up? I don't think so. No. I mean, if you want to hear more of my voice, I do a weekly music show. Large and of the truth, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? That's uh, uh, Wednesdays at 8 PM Pacific on 92.5 Stoke FM or via the web at stokefm.com. And that's just, yeah, that's an hour worth of uh, me talking and about 45 minutes worth of music. <laughs> so. I'm
3: still doing the odd uh, ghost walk, but things have definitely settled down because they're only on weekends now.
1: All right. Yeah. Yeah,
3: Love that winter schedule.
1: No kidding. So (laughs) if if you do want to do a ghost walk with Ian, send us an email. We'll let you know what his schedule is like and we'll set you up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you are passing through Victoria, uh, we've had Arwen was mentioning she's going to come here in the spring. Yeah. Uh, We'll get together with you. We'll grab a coffee. We'll chat. uh, Just let us know in advance and we'll do our best to make that happen. Even if both of us aren't available, odds are one of us will be. Probably Brennan. Probably me. (laughs) All right. I guess that's going to do it. We'll be back in two weeks with a new show, and until then, into the darkness we go. Um, I believe she's not Canadian. He, yeah, he is. Right. I'm just glad you didn't say Anne Murray. <laughs> she won't return my calls anymore. <laughs> How did you get my number? I'm afraid. <laughs> That's all I ever hear from Anne. She's a lousy friend. <laughs> no kidding.
3: Can I win it? Oh. Well, you didn't tell me about it, so I kind of don't know I, about d- it either. I did tell
1: you about it. Did you? Yeah. What was it? This is stickers. <gasps> Damn it. You did. <laughs> Been a busy week. Yeah, fair enough.
3: Oh, that's going to come through.
1: (laughs) Clack, (laughs) clack, 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 clack,
3: clack.
2: Oh, my God, a tap dancing bear.